Greetings and welcome to episode three of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I am your host, David's work, and thank you again for joining us here as uh, we're going to get right into it. We're 10 games into the season now. Good time for this latest edition of the Chirping the Cats podcast. So far, uh, not the worst start for the Panthers, certainly, especially uh, compared to recent years. After 10 games, Panthers currently sitting 4-2-4. and The big thing there, just the two regulation losses. Uh, at the moment, they're right in the mix of the playoff. They're in, they were in third place. Now they're in fourth place in the Atlantic Division. But it's really too soon to start paying attention to any kind of the standings as we haven't even gotten out of October yet. So the focus, as it should be, is just on picking up points, putting yourself in a good position, and basically setting yourself up so you're not having to dig out of a huge hole in December and January and into the into the spring months, which is traditionally what the Panthers do year in and year out. So it's nice to see that's probably not going to be the case this year as they're already off to a pretty solid start after 10 games. And just by watching the team, you can see the progress being made. You can see that they're slowly but surely improving. And that kind of takes us into the first topic of discussion, which is that while they are playing well, the goal right now is getting that full 60-minute effort. And uh, it's something that we haven't seen yet. We've seen bits and pieces, and the bits and pieces have been getting bigger and bigger. So I guess maybe they're chunks now, uh, you know, however you want to put that. But, uh, but they're certainly getting better, and they're certainly doing under a more consistent basis. The bad stretchers are becoming more and more sporadic. And, and over the first couple of weeks of the season, we've seen at first it was basically a one bad period per game. Then it kind of shrunk into, okay, now it's going to be maybe a 10-minute stretch here, maybe a few shifts there. Overall improvement. Now, something that they need to clean up in order to stay on that improvement path is their zone exits. It's something, like so many other parts of the game, it's just something that they're going to have to work on over as the season goes on. However, the zone exits, I feel mistakes made in that area are going to be glaring because they're going to lead directly to scoring chances and goals. When the Panthers are leaving the uh, the defensive zone, whether it be on a quick turnover or through a breakout, obviously they're moving in one direction. They're moving towards the opposition's uh, defensive zone. They're moving towards the opposing goalie. And with all the players moving in one direction, if you turn the puck over at your own blue line, suddenly all your players are going in the opposite direction. The other team's coming into your zone right in your goalie's face. And as I said, scoring chances, goals, they're going to come. So the zone exits really need to be cleaned up, and it's something you're seeing an improvement on it, but it's something that they've really got to focus and hone, on, hone in on because, as I said, there's going to be parts of the game that the team is going to have to work on and improve, and you know whether it's power play breakouts, whether it's neutral zone trying to trap the defense, whether it's moving through the neutral zone, setting yourself up in the offensive end, playing good defense. There's so many different facets of the game that the team is working on while implementing Joel Quenville's system. And while I certainly don't want to harp on one particular thing, I just wanted to make sure to emphasize the importance of cleaning up the zone exits. And it's something that as you watch the game, you'll see where it can be a big issue, but how solving this problem is only going to help them moving through the neutral zone and getting their offensive rushes going. Switching focus to uh, a few different players that I wanted to highlight in this week's episode of Chirping the Cats, the first guy I want to look at is Dennis Mulgan. He's finally earning himself a permanent spot. Hopefully it's something that will last, but it's nice to see as uh, Panther fans have seen Mulligan now for, in his fourth year, they've seen flashes of greatness. You see the potential there, but as is the problem with so many of these young guys, it's just a matter of getting consistent. Now with Mulligan, since he was scratched in games two and three of the season, in the seven games since, he's got seven points. Pretty amazing pace. He's also seen a steady increase in ice time, especially over the last couple of games with Vincent Trocek out. And uh, that's also included some work on the special teams. So 
Overall, Mulligan is trending towards career highs in minutes, in points, and uh, it's the kind of ability, as I said, he's flashed before. Now, the key, as Quenville likes to call it, is predictability. He wants his players to be predictable out there, and he means it in the best of ways. So, for Mulligan, the key's going to be stretching out this kind of production, playing those strong shifts over and over again every time you're out there on the ice over the course of weeks and months, not just days. And uh, should Mulligan reach that level where he can bring the consistency, bring this level of play game in and game out, he's going to be such an important part of the Panthers' middle six. Uh, I know I've said that before, and just with Malden, we've been watching him for so long, and oh, you see that you see that potential there, and you see moments where he just looks like a little miniaturized Barkov out there, as he's very effective in the defensive zone, as is Barkov, um, but he's got that offensive skill. So, you know, as somebody who's been watching Malden for a while now, I'm really hoping that this is the year he takes that next step. It would make sense for him to do it in a Quinville system, and so far, things are working along that path. So hopefully they continue that way for Malden, and it'll be really nice to see as the season goes on. Now, the next guy we're going to highlight, it's hard to find anything wrong with the way he's played this year, and that is defenseman Mackenzie Weeder. His ceiling just keeps getting higher and higher. He's playing more minutes than he's ever played before, and a lot of them are in big situations now that he's paired up with Aaron Ekblad, which, you know, in turn shows you where all the minutes are coming from. But earning the trust of the coaching staff to be out there for all that time with Ekblad speaks volumes. Now, last season, Weeder earned himself a role as a strong, responsible defensive defenseman that flashed some offensive ability, but overall, he didn't lose sight of his job. Thinking back on the overall defense from last season, it's no surprise why so many people came away feeling good about the progress of Weeder, as you know, as we all know, defense was such a huge struggle last year, but Weeder wasn't really a big part of that. He wasn't viewed as much coming into the year, maybe you know, a sixth or seventh guy on the roster, but quickly earned his spot and became a mainstay in the back line. Nice to see that ascension only continuing this year for Weeder, only 25 years old. So certainly entering that window of prime opportunity. And he's showing that he can get some growth out of his game. All he's done since last year is add to his offensive bag of tricks while maintaining the strong defensive tendencies that landed him his consistent NHL gig in the first place. Now, it certainly helps that as Weeder has continued to navigate his way through this all-important NHL season... He's doing it alongside one of his best friends. He's paired up with Aaron Ekblad. The two have been buddies since uh, the 2014 development camp when uh, they both arrived. Ekblad was the first overall pick in uh, 2014. Weeder was taken in the last round of the 2013 draft. But uh, since that first year in 2014, the two have been buddies. They never got the chance to play together as obviously Ekblad, first overall pick, came right to the Panthers and didn't spend any time in juniors or anything like that. He's been in the NHL ever since. Whereas Weeder, he's had to work his way through the system Earn his spots, working his way through the uh, through the minor leagues, and finally getting a uh, a big shot with the Panthers last year and making the most of it. So now him and Ekblad playing together, and uh, they both say that it's just nice because they've got such a good rapport off the ice. It's easy to hold each other accountable. It's easy to communicate. And as Weeder said, I don't have to worry about you know telling Ekblad, hey, you bleeped up yesterday, clean it up because they're buddies. It's cool. It's easy. So uh, so hopefully the uh, the pairing continues. They've done really well up until this point. I mean, we know that Twinville is no problem shaking things up. But uh, it's been a good duo up until now, and I'd really like to see it continue because for so many reasons, there's a lot of ways this combination could flourish on both ends of the ice. Weeder maybe getting Ekblad a little bit more defensively defensive, Ekblad helping Weeder out with those offensive skills. So, uh, you know, it'll be good to see where this goes. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is Captain Alexander Barkov because there's a lot of discussion on is he off, is he hurt, what's going on, why aren't we seeing the Barkov of normal? Personally, I'm seeing the Barkov of normal maybe a slightly watered-down version of it if he was battling an injury. I mean, yeah, we're not seeing the goal scoring. 
I'm not overly concerned about that because he still has 12 points through 10 games on point for nearly 100 points despite not scoring a goal yet, which we all know is going to happen. Let's be honest. This is Barkov. Any Panther fan who's been watching him since he came into the league knows what kind of player he is. It's ridiculous to think that just because he's going through a little goal-scoring drought, not a scoring drought, just a goal-scoring drought, that something's wrong with his game. Barkov is doing his usual thing of making ridiculously hard puck handling look way too easy, and he's making plays for everybody else on the ice. So the only somewhat concerning part of Barkov's game has nothing to do with his offense, and this is where you have to bear with me. There have been several instances over the past few games where Barkov has turned the puck over, which is uncharacteristic enough, but at the worst time. Remember earlier when I was talking about how turning the puck over during zone exits is the worst thing this team to do? Well, right behind that on the list is turning the puck over while on an offensive rush. It's the same issue as with the zone exits, as you still have all the Florida players moving in one direction, and then all of a sudden the opposition players are moving in the opposite direction, right towards Florida's goaltender. Now, I'm not really concerned that it's becoming a problem with Barkov. A a couple isolated incidents with a guy like Barkov who's got the reputation and we know what we're dealing with. So... I'm not really overly concerned that it's going to be any kind of a lingering issue that we're going to have to deal with for a while with Barkov. He was battling that upper body injury, which was apparently sustained during the shootout win in Nashville. He missed almost that entire game, which Quenville said was just a precautionary thing and that Barkov actually wanted to get back out there. And he was on the ice for Florida's next practice two days later. He hasn't missed the game since 2017-18. So hopefully playing two games in a seven-day stretch over the last week allowed him to heal whatever may have been ailing him. And it certainly looks like he was okay when he put up the four-assist game in Calgary uh, on Thursday night of last week. Now, the last thing I want to touch on before we get to our sit-down with Mike Matheson this week is the signing of veteran forward Brian Boyle. Such a great move for this Panthers team. I definitely can see why, uh, why Joel Quinville would have been happy to bring Boyle aboard. He's going to be a big help in the face-off department, in defensive situations, on the penalty kill. Uh, only once in the last eight years has he had a face-off percentage under 50, and that year he won 49%. So it's a lot of areas of the game where he's going to help you on the ice. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of areas he helps off the ice. He's been to the playoffs almost every year of his career. He's been to the Stanley Cup Finals a couple of times. So it's really hard not to like this move. Boyle had his choice of teams to sign with, and he chose to come to Florida. He adds grit, he adds tenacity, he has playoff experience, he's a well-liked guy, a locker room voice. These are all the things that, whether it was Quenville or his players, these are all things that that have been said about him over the last week. Now, the signing also indicates that Quenville and Talon feel this team could use an injection of some additional veteran grit and toughness that Boyle provides instead of, say, the young, skilled, but inexperienced and unproven, at the NHL level, players that are available. Henrik Borgstrom, Owen Tippett, Anthony Greco, Dominic Toninato. So clearly, Quenville is looking for something different. He wanted a big, tough forward so badly that he's played defenseman Mark Pissick at wing three times over the last four games. Now, to his credit, Pissick has played well as a defensive forward, even adding a goal during the shootout loss in Calgary. But it just kind of shows you what Quenville is looking for out of this team, what he's not getting, what he feels it needs. And so we'll see how that plays out as we move along this road trip that they're currently on. Now, last week I had a chance to sit down with Panthers defenseman Mike Matheson, and I'm really excited to share that conversation with you. Mike opened up a lot of a few different things that are really interesting, and I really hope you enjoy it. So here you go. All right, back here on the Chirping the Cats podcast with Florida Panthers defenseman Mike Matheson. Mike, thank you so much for taking a little time and sitting down with me today. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Of course. Um, yeah, I wanted to get into first, like, you know, your fifth year in the NHL, fourth full season in the league. Now you've played under Gerard Gallant, you played under Tom Rowe, Bogner, and now you're playing under Quenville. So as a young defenseman coming into the league, has it been difficult for you to kind of find your footing and get yourself established while playing under so many coaches and learning different systems? 
I think that's part of it for sure. You know, it's uh, it, it's never the easiest thing going back and forth between systems, and um, y- you know, when you're when you're able to really latch on to one certain way of playing and and get used to that, it uh, definitely promotes better better instincts and um, more consistent play. Um, but at the same time, that's that's uh, the job, and um, at the end of the day, if if coaches are um, getting replaced pretty often, it probably means that the players aren't doing their job on the ice. So you, you have to be accountable that way. Now, being accountable in this new system, it seems like just from watching games, whenever you guys get the puck, defensive zone, neutral zone, you're gone. You're rushing up the ice. You're trying to get into offense. As a defenseman, like how hard is it to, to balance that kind of aggression with knowing, like keeping your defensive responsibilities? Well, I think the way we play is uh, a lot simpler and um, a lot more uh, positionally sound. And so that when we do make a turnover, um, guys are, are positionally ready to to uh, to help out and, and support. And so that allows you to have cleaner exits and um, more consistent exits that you can rely on to um, to be able to join the rush and not worry about a, a turnover as much. Is this something that maybe you've pride yourself on a little bit more this year, getting up in that rush and being a little bit more offensive? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think that's something that we're focusing a lot on so far in the year. And, um, you know, for for five-on-five offense to happen, the D have to be involved. And um, so I've definitely been, been trying to get more involved offensively that way. Uh, with the new coaching staff, it seems like even early on, they're putting a lot of faith in you. You've been out there for some big minutes, five-on-five. You're out there, big PK empty net situation at the end of the game you're out there how is that just from your standpoint a new coaching staff just seeing that they've got that trust and that faith in you to put you out there in those big moments yeah that means a lot and um obviously i have to keep earning that ice time and um you know uh, so far in my career i haven't been relied on as much uh, offensively whereas um in the past I've, I've been more of a power play guy and, and stuff like that and in, in college and, and growing up and so um, in turn, I've, I've kind of been trying to find where I can help and, and what my role can be to, to be able to help the team as much as possible. And um, so I've been focusing a lot on that and, and trying to get better at it. Is that any kind of like a, an adjustment mentally for you? I, I know you did a lot of psychology studies when you were in school. So, you know, going from a mindset where you're constantly power play offense, you need to produce that way to now it's got to be a more well-rounded player and not forget about those defensive responsibilities. Um, I, I think that definitely is a mindset to have, but uh, I, I don't think that, um, you know, if I were to start getting power play time, I, I don't think I would ever want to get away from that mindset. I, I think that's uh, a good mindset to have, especially as a defenseman, to, to be thinking defense first and then offense second. Um, you know, once as a defenseman, once you start thinking about offense ahead of anything else, that's when you get into trouble. Right. I guess it's just like building blocks, the defense, and add a little bit yeah, on top of it. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you you always hear, uh, um, you know, defense first, and then the offense will come, and and, and it's so true because if you if you try to push the envelope and make things happen when when they're not there, um, that's especially in this league and playing against uh, the greatest players in the world, that's when they'll make you pay. I know at the end of last season you said that you're going to have to force yourself to take some time off because you just wanted to get back right in there, get back in the gym, get back on the ice. And but what what did you do over the summer to train? Because just from day one of training camp out in that ice, like you've looked much better. You've been really quick on the puck. You just reaction time is faster. So is there anything that you did different this summer, or is it just kind of the progress of your career? Um, you know, training wise, I, I 
I uh, I kind of did what I, what I usually do and um, took you know a couple weeks off and and then got back at it and and prepared my body. I think uh, um, mentally I just came into the season with a bit better of a frame of mind than I had through the season last year and um, so far it's it's been working. You know I, I I'm just trying to be more consistent um, and and not get. Uh, too high and not get too low and and just kind of be an even killed guy that that uh, people can count on no and you say change your frame of mind like can you elaborate on that at all like how- yeah i mean i i've worked with uh, uh our team sports psychologists um on some things and um like i said it's it's really just about um having a more uh consistent attitude towards the game and and um you know not getting so down and and being so hard on myself when when mistakes happen and and just kind of um taking emotion out of it and you know it's it's a difficult thing to do because sports are such an emotional game and um it's uh there's so many highs and lows within each shift within each game within the season um and so it's so important to learn how to to manage that better I, I wanted to ask you if you don't want to get into it it's all good but I heard you had LASIK over the summer mm-hmm. um, is how big of an impact is that having on your game because I, I wear contacts and I play goal so I yeah. know how it can screw, yeah. up, screw with you a little bit so just how has that helped you out uh, on the ice um, it, I mean it's it's made a huge difference just in um, you know the comfort uh, of you, you know what it's like having contacts uh, the first couple uh, when we get out for each period and, and kind of take a couple laps around when I had contacts I'd be blinking and oh, yeah. um, and so uh, being able to, to kind of just not deal with that and, and be able to uh, have a more constant vision is, has helped but uh, yeah uh, I, I don't wish contact wearing on anyone <laughs> no it's and I mean for me I'm a goalie so all, the worst I have to deal with is somebody like spraying me in the face or something yeah. like that but I mean for you like you're rocking big hits out there and you're jarring your head yeah so I can't imagine what made him pop loose so I, yeah just, it happened every once in a while for sure and uh you just kind of try to get off the ice at that point right I definitely wanted to chat with you about um what you and your wife are doing for the Bahamas mm-hmm. uh, no just working in a newsroom you see a different side of that kind of destruction when a storm comes through but I from right when it happened you guys were right out there very vocal trying to support the whole region and uh, I'm just curious how are those efforts going I know you had a goal of $25,000 yeah we're uh what are we at we're at 14,000 right now I think um and so it's uh it's been incredible just to see uh how many people have have reached out and, and been willing to help and um you know it as unfortunate as these sorts of events are, we we saw it with, uh, you know, the the shooting at uh, the Fort Lauderdale airport and um, the hurricanes that have passed through South Florida and and now the Bahamas. Um, there's such um, catastrophes, but at the same time they bring people together and and they show how uh, generous people can be and and how thoughtful they are and. Uh, and caring and so um, that's that's been really cool for me to, to see how many people in South Florida and 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 elsewhere too that have been reaching out you know uh, each person that has donated they can either do it an honestly or or um, say who it's from and um, some people have been signing it um, with their name and then seeing where they're from too and um, that's that's been really special and uh, you know, we're we're still hoping to get uh, to twenty five thousand, but uh, 
fourteen thousand is, and then obviously it'll be doubled by uh, by my wife and I. So that's uh, pretty incredible. Now, as far as uh, once you're once you've reached your goal, do you have any idea what where exactly that money's gonna go or what you want it to go towards? Yeah, well, that's that's why we um, we partnered with with UNICEF because um, I know that whenever I'm looking to donate to something that I care about, the the number one priority is to make sure that the money's actually going to go to uh to that uh cause and um and so that's why we thought of unicef because um they've they've been one of the giants and in all that kind of stuff and um are are a very trustworthy partner um and so we um obviously they're they're connected over there and are able to to make sure that all the the money is going directly to the bahamas and um, the the goal is to be able to provide a um, clean water to, to bathe and and drinking water obviously um, and then obviously they they are always kind of focused on on children and education and so um, the the main goal is just to be able to to help as much as possible to get the Bahamas back to um, their regular lives and and not um, you know, waking up every day worrying about whether they're going to be able to drink a, a bottle of water or not, and um, and then getting children back into their daily lives of, of going to school and and uh, and being a kid. You know, no, I mean it's it's a horrible thing, but it's nice to see that it can bring out the best in people, and that you're able to take that and put it and bottle it up and help out. It's just really cool. And when I saw you guys were doing that, I just wanted to make sure to talk about it, mm. get an update on how it's going. So thank you for sharing that, and I'll certainly be keeping an eye out for updates. Now, before we wrap things up, I wanted to get to one thing that's a little bit fun. All right, so quick fire questions. Okay. Toughest forward to defend against? Sidney Crosby. You didn't yeah. even think about that. No. Nope. <laughs> you see, I feel like most guys would say McDavid because he's so fast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I won't say anything bad about McDavid. He's an incredible player, and uh, I, I wouldn't want to be on the ice against him either, but uh, um, for me, it's Crosby. Yeah. Just, just big physical... Uh, I think he's um, so multi-dimensional. He can beat you um, with his speed through the neutral zone. He can beat you down low. Everyone's seen those shifts where he just holds guys off down low and yeah. cuts back, cuts back, cuts back. That goal he had last year against Edmonton. Yeah, year. exactly. Um, you know, and so um, and he defends well in his own zone. You know, you can uh, with uh, some players, you can kind of take advantage of of the fact that they may, might be cheating for offense a little bit. Um, whereas he's he's a very consistent player in his own zone, um, and so he's uh, he's been known as the best player, if not one of the best players uh, in the world for a long time, and. Um, I, uh, I, I still find that he is the hardest to play against. That goalie, toughest goalie? Um, it's tough because, um, you know, as a defenseman, you, you, you don't really pay attention to the goalie as much uh, just because your, your thought process is more um, from the point, like, getting shots through. And so you kind of notice who's good at blocking shots, let's say. And, and okay, so who's like the best that. shot blockers? Um, certain teams are really good at at blocking shots okay uh, and um you know st louis is really good we don't see them as much um carolina is really good at blocking shots they their uh their forwards are very committed to doing it um and then even if you're able to get it through that first layer their d are are, are good at stepping up through it and so um yeah i'd say carolina this is a team that we face a decent amount and they're, they're pretty noticeably good at it 
Favorite hockey movie? Um, uh, you could do a top three if you can't come up with one. <laughs> um, Miracle's good. See, that's always but, my number uh, one, too. I wasn't sure yeah. if you were going to say that because yeah. Canadian. You know? I know, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is it's uh, No, I'm it's glad you said I US, wanted to ask you about but, that, uh, but I wasn't sure. So Yeah, it's, uh, it's just such a cool story. I'm always a sucker for uh, a kind of based on true events movie. So yep. um, I, I like that one. Yeah. But non-hockey movie? Um, it's a bit of a random one, but Shooter with uh, Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, yeah. <laughs> okay, no. Whatever floats your yeah, boat, man. That's I all love good. That movie. I've seen it 35 times, probably. All right. And the last one, what's your favorite show to binge? Jeez, uh, I've got a few of them. Um, Friends, uh, I've gone through like the entire series five times, probably. Um, I went through The Office. That was funny. Uh, Modern Family, going to be upset that it's coming to an end. Um, and right now, have you heard of the the series Taken? Yeah. On Netflix? Yeah. I'm going through the second season. Right I, now. It's, it's on my list. Pretty that, good, yeah. It's hockey season. It's hard to catch up on. Yeah. Things, but, <laughs> but no, Taken, a Fargo I've heard is really good. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that one. I'll have to so, check it out. Well, maybe we'll have a little bit of time when it's a holiday break. But, yeah. but Mike, thank you so much for sitting down and just being so candid. I really appreciate it. Um, and best of luck to you this season. Hopefully we can chat again uh, later this year. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot for having me. Well, that's going to do it for the latest episode of the Chirping the Cats podcast. I'd like to thank Mike Matheson of the Florida Panthers for taking a little time and sitting down with me this week. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button. Give us a good rating. And we'll be back before you know it with another episode of Chirping the Cats. Until then, let's hope the team continues to improve and climb the standings. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you.